Hello, my name is Benjamin Pace, and this is the No Content Podcast, the podcast that I started because I wanted to have a podcast before everyone does. We have no content for ducks. Hey there, welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace, and I'm excited to be diving in to this special podcast with you today. I like to think that they're all special in their own little way, but, um, you know, I can only identify one special podcast at a time, you know, really. So, so it's like, it's like, it's like when you have kids, you know, it's like, you know, they're all special, but you have to acknowledge them individually that they're special. You know, like I I have a family member who has a lot of cats and somehow, you know, they have, I mean, when I say a lot, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a good, it's a good amount and, and that's fine. You know, there's, you know, um, if you, if you love a particular kind of animal and you have the love in your heart to, to care for them, you know, that's a good thing. You know, if, if you have a big heart and, and you feel like you're able to do that. I mean, you know, and, and you know, that kind of comes down to this, you know, a lot of people criticize people for, for how many kids they have and things like that. And, you know, you've heard people, you know, look at the people like the Duggars or, or the, the Bates family or things like that. And it's like, man, how can they have all those kids? Like that's, that's weird that they're having that many kids, but you think about it, like, you know, every one of those lives are precious. And, and, you know, um, if they have the grace and the desire to have that many kids, that's, you know, more power to them. Like, that's awesome that they have that love in their heart for that many kids. And people would say, well, there's, you know, there's problems with having that many kids and things like that. Well, then you don't have to have any kids, but that's not for you to judge. Anyway, you know, God gives us grace according to our different abilities, according to our different callings, things like that. Some people don't have kids at all. And that's fine too. There, you know, there's no shame on somebody for not having kids. Um, but, you know, it's it's easy to judge other people. But uh, I don't know how I got off of all that. I'm kind of just rambling. Um, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, like, so anyway, I had this, you know, know this person, this relative who has a lot of cats, and they have a name for every cat. And, and, you know, they, they individually name their cats and, um, that's very sweet and, and they, they love their animals and that's, that's awesome. You know, God's like that with us. You know, he, he knows us each by name. He, he loves us as if we're the only one he has. And he, he never, it has his attention divided because of the amount of kids that he has. You know, he loves us all the same equally as if we were the only kid that he had. And his love in his heart is so big that he's able to do that. And so uh, anyway, um, I'm excited about the podcast today, and I hope you like my new little intro there. I, I not really new, but I kind of upgraded the intro, and uh, you know, I said something there in the beginning. You know, I wanted to start a podcast before everybody starts a podcast, and that's kind of a joke. Um, obviously, the real reason that I started this podcast is because I believe it's something that the Lord put on my heart, and um, you know, but 
you know, we're living in an age where, you know, having a podcast or starting a podcast is not uncommon. I mean, it's, you know, I talk to a lot of people they are like, oh, I want to do a podcast. I want to start a podcast. And, you know, it's a great tool. It's like kind of like social media. It's an opportunity to, to use something. And, and if you have something good to say or whether it's, you know, uh, fun or, or joking or whatever, um, you know, if it, if it could make somebody laugh, that's cool, too. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with with doing things just because somebody else is doing it. You know, uh, I think that pride a lot of times, you know, wants to stand out more. Um, but, you know, it's it's fine to do stuff that other people are doing. And uh, as long as what you're doing is is, you know, from God and it's graced and it's anointed, that's all that matters. And because we all have our individual assignments, we all reach different kinds of people. And so, um, you know, I'm doing this because I enjoy it and it's fun and I like it. But anyway, all that, you know, it's just my little intro there, I guess. Um, But I'm excited about the topic today. I'm excited about what we're going to get into. And uh, also, that's one of my disclaimers because, you know, it would not be a no content podcast if I didn't have a disclaimer that, you know, there's a difference between being childish and childlike. And, you know, I, I believe in reverencing the anointing. I believe in, in the fear of the Lord and, and um, you know, showing respect for the word. And I never want to get on this podcast and show any disrespect to the word of God. But then again, a podcast is different than if we were in a church service or something like that. And, and you know, it's not irreverent to laugh or, or be humorous. Um, it's just about knowing what's appropriate when. And, and also, you know, the way I kind of do this podcast is is to kind of almost make it in such a way like you would see a kid's show or something like that, even though I'm not talking to kids, I know that. But sometimes it's easier to digest things when there is some humor and when there's some goofiness. And that's not a bad thing. God's not against that. He's a fun God. Um, and there's a balance between, you know, that and showing reverence. And, and there's a difference between being childlike which Jesus said you have to be if you want to enter into the kingdom of God. And there's a difference between that and being childish, you know, and, 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 you know, where Paul talked about, I put away childish things and being immature and disrespectful. So there's a difference. And, and I'm endeavoring to be childlike on this podcast while not being childish or disrespectful and to honor the anointing, if that makes sense. So anyway, uh, all that is my little uh, six-minute intro there for you. But today, I'm excited about the podcast. Um, it, it's going to be something that I think is going to be an encouragement to people, and I love to encourage people. I love to just build people up. I love to you know speak words of life into people. Um, and you know, correction can do that. You know, corrective words, things that are you know not you know, meat, I guess you could say, instead of, you know, milk, you know, those are edifying too, and those are important. And so it's good to have those too. But the point is, is that if it adds life to you, if it builds you up, if it strengthens you, that's, that's what I'm interested in. And, you know, I've gotten into some intense topics. You know, uh, the last one I did was called Lord, keep me from falling. And we (laughs) got into some stuff in that, you know, that's probably not, necessarily a feel-good sermon, you know, but it is it is edifying and it's building up and it's the purpose of it is to do the name of it, is to keep us from falling, to keep us from, from giving any place to the enemy because he's the one that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Anyway, so uh, the name of the podcast today is The Comforter, and I want to talk about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't know if you've ever 
done this before, but when I was a little kid, you know, I used to love like, especially on a cold morning or a cold night to, you know, uh, have my, my big blanket, my big comforter, you know, like they call the blanket, the comforter to have that in the dryer, you know, and you know how it, it gets all warm and you pull it out of the dryer and it's all warm and you wrap it around yourself and then you go jump on the bed and you know, it's all warm and cozy. And I used to do that when I was a little kid. And maybe I still do it. I'm not going to say for sure whether or not I still do that. But you know what I mean. It's just that warm blanket. That's just that warm feeling. You love that. That's that warmth. It's that comfort, that feeling of comfort. Well, you know, I think in Christianity, comfort has really gotten a bad rap. I, I think we we say a lot of stuff like, well, you know, Christianity is not about your comfort. And, and God, you know, wants you to get out of your comfort zone and God doesn't want you to be, be comfortable. He wants you to get out and walk by faith. And there is a truth to that, but you know, uh, a minister that I respect a lot, his name is Jeremy Pearsons. Uh, he said this, you know, if I'm not in the will of God, that's anything but comfortable. If I'm not where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing, that's not comfortable to me. It, it may, it may foster complacency, but, you know, and, and, and being tied down in the flesh, but really comfort is satisfaction. If you're not satisfied, you can't be comfortable. I mean, you think about it. Have you ever tried to go to bed hungry before? Have you ever tried to fall asleep on an empty stomach? That's not comfortable. And, and there are a lot of Christians who are falling asleep on an empty stomach who they're, they're tied down in the natural and, and they're weighed down, but they're not satisfied. They're complacent, but they're not comf- comforted. They may be comfortable, but they're not comforted. And there is a difference. And I, I want to talk about what the comfort of the Holy Spirit is and what it means to have the Holy Spirit as our comforter. What, what is that? What is the comfort of the Holy Spirit? What's the purpose of comfort? Uh, does God want us to be comfortable, comforted? And um, what's the difference between that and complacency? And we're going to get into some stuff today. Uh, this will be a little bit of a longer podcast. Um, I'm going to take up every minute of my hour that I, n- I normally take uh, on this podcast. And uh, so, you know, if this is one of those podcasts that you want to listen to half of it and come back to it or, or whatever, or maybe you're, maybe you're hardcore, maybe, you, maybe you're going to eat it all in one bite. You know, maybe, maybe you're that guy who gets the, who gets the apple fritter and you cut it up into little squares and you, and you eat it for breakfast. Or maybe you're that dude who's like, you know what? No, like it's a, it's, it's a Saturday. Um, I've got a glass of milk. Let's just take care of business. Let's get it done. Let's, uh, let's eat this guy all in one bite. And that's fine too. I'm either way, you know, you can, you can do bite size, or you can go big or go home, you know, uh, there's no contest that there's no prize for eating it all in one bite. You know, there's no thing. It's like, Oh, if you eat this whole giant burger, you get it for free. No, nothing like that. You just do you, but it's going to be good, uh, in whatever way you listen to it. I want to read this scripture to you. It says in second Corinthians chapter one, verse three, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort. So just to start out here, uh, God is the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. You know, God loves mercy and he really doesn't like when people don't show mercy. (laughs) If anything's distasteful to God, it's a lack of mercy. 
Uh, I would even be bold enough to say a lack of mercy makes God nauseous. And, and you know, uh, the Revelations tells us that there are things that makes God nauseous. Not that he's capable of becoming sick in the way that we are, but he, he said that lukewarm uh, Christianity, so to speak, uh, is something that causes him to vomit. Not to be crude or, or ugly, but hey, listen, he said it. So, <laughs> you know, he, there are things that are distasteful to God. And, and one of the things is people who show, don't show mercy. Uh, you know, compassion. I, I heard my friend Elijah Merle, he has a really good podcast called The Greater Than Podcast, and, and he's a minister. He said something I really like. Um, he brought this out that compassion is a mixture of love and hate. It's a mixture of love for a person and hatred for the thing that is hurting them. And, you know, uh, have you ever been watching a movie and you, and, you know, you just saw some scene of somebody being cruel or doing something cruel and it just made you mad? It just made you want to do something. It made you want to, you know, if you're a guy, maybe you went in your room and you like, you know, thought about like karate chopping that guy in the movie. You know, you know, don't, don't act like you've never done that. Don't play coy with me. Listen, listen. I know if you watch The Matrix, you've imagined you were Neo. Come on, be honest. But you know what I mean? Well, you know, that's actually a form of compassion. It's not so much a hatred for the person doing bad. It's not wanting to kill them, but it's just wanting to put a stop to the cruelty. It's wanting to stop the lack of mercy. It's this desire to to end the brutality. And you know that is compassion. Compassion isn't just sympathy. It's this it's this aggressive force that has to stop the evil thing. And, and, and that's what compassion is. And we're going to talk about that some in the podcast that I do after this about abortion. And and what compassion is, it's it's this drive to stop evil, to stop brutality. And and it 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 will move you. It will move you to do things. It'll move you. And I'm getting off track of what of where we're getting into today, but I just want to point that out, that God is a God of mercy, and He's a God of compassion and comfort, and He wants us to be relieved. He wants us to be comforted from our afflictions. He wants to put a stop to the cruelty. He wants to put a stop to the pain. He wants to put a stop to the brutality of the enemy. He hates what what hurts you. And he, that's why he hates sin. God doesn't uh, tell you to not sin because he don't want you to have any fun. He doesn't want you to sin because he doesn't want you to get hurt. Uh, God God is the, the author of, of good things. The Bible says in his presence there are pleasures forevermore. God is the author of pleasure, but see, Satan will use pleasure as a bait for destruction. Satan will use pleasure as a bait to get you into his traps. To hurt you. And you see Proverbs uh, 7 talks about that. That's what seduction is. It's just bait to, to kill you, to pull you into death. But God hates what is hurting you. That's why he hates sin. And he's a good father. And, and if any parent that sees something hurting their child, they have a hatred for that thing. There's a, there's a kind of a hashtag thing that I actually really like, and it's I hate cancer. You know, I really like that. And it's not even a Christian thing necessarily. I've even seen, well, I mean, I was be honest with you, I've seen bumper stickers that actually use an expletive toward cancer, and I'm not agreeing with that, and I'm not encouraging that. But at the same time, I get it, because that, there's a hatred for that thing that's hurting people. And, and there's so much twisted theology about, you know, God uses cancer, and God does this, and God does that. And, and let me just say, no, he doesn't. He hates cancer. I hate cancer. He hates disease. I hate disease. It's, it's, he's the father of mercy 
And he wants people to be healed. He wants us to be comforted. He's the God of all comfort. And so, you know, don't, don't play games with what, you know, this stuff like that. Like God hates it. If it's evil, if it's bad, if it's hurting, if it's destroying, if it's stealing and killing, God hates it. And compassion is that force on the inside of us through God, from God, from the Holy Spirit that, that has to put a stop to the brutality, that has to put a stop to the lack of mercy because he's the God of mercy and he's the God of all comfort. I love that he says he's the father of mercy because a father loves to show mercy to his children. I better keep reading here. It says this, he comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And so he's painting this picture of being able to comfort other people because we've been comforted by him. It's giving love to other people because we've received of him. It's having compassion on other people because we've received his compassion toward us. He, he, and now Paul said this, he said, now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings, which we also suffer. And it says, if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Uh, and it says, our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. So God wants us to partake of this comfort this consolation that comes from him, this mercy. But you know, a lot of times people don't ha- get mercy because they don't show mercy. And, and you know, Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, if you don't show mercy to others, how can God show mercy to you? God wants to, he wants to show mercy, but so many times people, they, they live without mercy. And then when it's time for them to receive mercy, they don't, they don't have it. It's not there because they haven't shown it. But you know, mercy is comfort. Think about it. I mean, I mean, receiving mercy, you know, when you don't deserve it, and when you're expecting punishment, <laughs> that's that's comfort. That's a comfort to you. That's a relief. That's that's a burden off your shoulders. I mean, if you did something wrong, if you you know stole a car and went joyriding, and you know because you were drunk or high or something like that, and then you sobered up and realized what you did, and you're like, oops, I'm going to jail. And then the judge says, you know, because you weren't in your right mind and you're a first time offender, I'm going to pardon you. I'm going to have mercy on you. Man, that's a comfort. It's a comfort to receive mercy. And, you know, we, we comfort others with the same comfort that we receive of him. Another way of saying that is, is we comfort other people with mercy. We comfort other people with, with being patient with them, with forgiving them, showing kindness to them. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Let me keep reading, and then I'll keep going. In the Amplified, it said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of sympathy, pity, and mercy, and the God who is the source of every comfort and encouragement. So he's the Father of sympathy and mercy. Now, sympathy is a part of compassion, but it's not limited. Compassion is not limited to sympathy. It's just an element of it. It's sympathizing and empathizing because Jesus became like us. So he knows what it's like to feel our affliction and way more besides. I mean, he experienced things none of us ever experienced, but he did it for our sake. And that's why the Bible says he, he identifies with us. He, he can empathize with our weaknesses. 
and he wants to comfort them. He wants to comfort us. I, I want to really make this statement in the beginning here. God wants you comforted. He doesn't want you afflicted. He doesn't want you in pain. If you are dealing with sickness in your body or pain in your body, I'm going to just tell you this very strongly, and I'm going to do a podcast about healing soon, but 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 suffice it to say this for now, God wants you comforted in your body. He wants you comforted in your soul if you're brokenhearted. God doesn't want you to live with a broken heart. God's not the one who broke your heart if your heart is broken. Jesus said, I am anointed to heal the brokenhearted. The Bible says God is near to the brokenhearted. You know why? He's near to the brokenhearted for the same reason that that um, EMTs are near to somebody who just had a stroke. Because when there is a need, when there is a, a breaking there, the physician comes near to heal. He wants you healed. He wants you comforted. Uh, David talked about this in the Psalms, how, how he said, I have been comforted on every side. And, you know, God wants you comforted. If you're, if you're financially lacking, if, if things are tight, if, if God wants you to be comforted. He wants you to, to have your needs met. If you don't have everything you need, if you're, you're not adequately clothed or, or fed or housed, God wants you comforted. That is his will for you. He is the big blanket. He is the comforter. In verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 1, it says this, and this is kind of the direction we're going to go. Um, it says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of people who think that faith is being ignorant of trouble. And even in certain circles, you see this. Um, sometimes in charismatic circles, you've seen this. Not to come against them. I grew up spiritually in a charismatic word of faith circle. And I love that and I value it. So many good things there. And I know some people are not on board with everything there. But then again, every part of the body of Christ has a part. And we're not supposed to despise each other. We all have a part and we're supposed to have a spirit of unity. Um, and, and when the body comes together, God can correct what is wrong and establish what is right. And every you know area of the body of Christ has those things. But I've seen this particularly in, in some of my camps is an ignorance of trouble and even especially other people's trouble that, that we don't talk the problem. We don't magnify the problem. We don't magnify the issue. And, and that, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, David said, come and magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And we're not supposed to make a, a magnification of problems. We're supposed to magnify God over the problem. He's bigger. But I just want to say this here. You know, it's not wrong to acknowledge the problem. It's not wrong to acknowledge the sickness, to acknowledge the lack, to acknowledge the need. I've seen a lot of, of, quote-unquote faith people act like we don't talk about need, we don't address need, we don't ever say we have a need. And I understand that, you know, we shouldn't magnify the need, like I just said, but at the same time, you got to be careful because there's a fine line between walking by faith and, and, and not magnifying the problem, but then slipping over into pretending. And pretending... There's no faith in pretending. God is not a fan of pretending. In fact, most of the time, any form of pre pretense, God has referred to as hypocrisy. And it's not wrong to be honest, to be real. 
And the reason why I want to bring this up is because, you know, there is a, a level of comfort that people don't receive from God because they just won't be real. Because they won't acknowledge what they're dealing with. They won't acknowledge it to people. Uh, and maybe they're around people who don't want to hear it because it's not doesn't sound faithy enough. It doesn't sound positive enough. But, you know, faith is just being real. It's knowing the truth. And, and faith is knowing that, hey, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what the problem is, no matter what I'm going through, God's bigger. And he, He's well able to deliver me. He's well able to heal me. I'm not ever supposed to despair and act like all hope is lost. And, and you know, the Thessalonians talks about uh, not sorrowing as those who have no hope. You know, people who have no hope, they yield to depression. They, they become suicidal. They, they give up on their dreams. They, they draw the shades. They hide in their bed. They overeat. They get addicted to drugs and alcohol. They, they find ways to bomb whatever it is that they're dealing with. And, and that's what people do when they have no hope. And we are not to do that. Bible says not to do that, not to sorrow as those who have no hope. But that doesn't mean that all sorrow is wrong. It doesn't mean that it's wrong to grieve. It doesn't mean that it's wrong to acknowledge that there's an issue, that you're dealing with something. It doesn't mean it's a lack of faith if you need to cry. And, and I, I personally have seen some of this where it, it is like, I've talked to people who have had loved ones um, die and go to heaven and move on. And, um, and you can tell that they're grieving. You can look into their eyes and see that they're struggling, that they're hurting they miss them, their, their heart's broken. And you hear, I've heard, kind of this, this thing where it's like, well, well, we know that they're in heaven, so we just have the victory and we, you know, we're rejoicing because they're in heaven. And there, there's a truth there. And I'm not trying to come against anything or anybody or, or anything like that. I, I don't mean to be in disunity with anybody. But this is just something that I see, and, and I feel like I see a gap here, and I feel a need to fill it, honestly, out of compassion for those people. And so if you're listening to this and you know what I'm referring to, I'm not coming against anybody or, or being in disunity or, or anything like that. It's just, this is a gap that I think needs to be filled, and so I'm going to be bold and, and, and endeavor to fill it um, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I believe. Um, but... You know, just the idea like, well, we have the victory. We just need to move on. We're not supposed to sorrow like those who have no hope. And, uh, you know, uh, we just need to move on and rejoice. And almost like this ignorance of the fact that there is a grieving process, that it's healthy to grieve, especially if somebody's left this earth. I mean, yes, thank God we know they're in heaven and we have that hope in front of us. But, you know, it's not wrong to miss somebody. I mean, God knows our souls. I mean, He gave us our souls. He knows we get attached to people. He knows we love people. I mean, you think about people who have been married for 50 years and then their spouse leaves. I mean, that's that's not easy. I mean, that's hard. I mean, it's like that's your best friend. I mean, and yes, they're in heaven, thank God, but you, you're down here and you've got a soul and you're dealing with it and you are not superhuman and God doesn't expect you to be. And, and, you know, thank God you have the comforter. And that's what we're talking about. We have the comforter to comfort us. But a part of experiencing the comfort of the Holy Spirit is being real. You know, David, he was never fake. He was not afraid to say, hey, my soul is in anguish. 
hey, I'm, I'm depressed. <laughs> he wasn't afraid to say, I'm having a hard time. And yes, you know, the Bible talks about how David encouraged himself in the Lord, and we use that verse a lot. But you know, before David encouraged himself in the Lord, it says he cried until he had no more strength to cry. And the Bible doesn't say that, that God chastised him for that. You know, sometimes people need to get through stuff in their soul before they can hear from the Lord. And I've heard people take that verse and say, well, see, if David would have just inquired of the Lord, then he wouldn't have, you know, needed to cry. But listen, you know, we have these souls that we're dealing with and, and, you know, God is not ignorant of, of our soul and, and, you know, faith doesn't neglect the soul. Now we're not led by our souls. We're not moved by our souls. We don't live following our emotions, but it also doesn't mean we neglect them either. I've talked about this before on different podcasts, but you know, it, it, it's not something that we're supposed to neglect. You know, it's like a child. You know, you don't let a child call the shots. You don't let a child tell you what we're going to do today. You don't let a child drive your car. But if a child is hurting, if a child is 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 having a hard time, well, you may be able to see very clearly how it's not a big deal. You know, if they lost their balloon or if they if they, you know, lost their favorite toy or something or or maybe maybe their dog died. You know, listen, you know in the grand scheme of things, the world's not over if your dog dies. But listen, if you love your dog, you know, I started this podcast talking about animals, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's not fun. I mean, it hurts. I mean, you love that animal. I mean, you know, it was something that you cared for, you took care of. And, and you know, God's not mad at you if you cry over an animal that died. We've had animals that have died in our family. And I tell you what, it, it felt like we lost a loved one because we had it for so long and it was such a, a little part of our lives and, and we, we loved it. And, you know, I'll never forget one time God, well, I believe it was God, you know, we, we, uh, we lost one of our kittens and it, it was, it was hard. We, it was a kitten we really liked and it, it made me sad because of how it happened and somebody, you know, ran it over and it just wasn't, it was just, it just messed the day up and it, you know, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a long-term thing, you know, obviously, you know, but it still hurt and, and it was, it, it wasn't fun and I'll never forget you know, that day, uh, it had rained and I went outside and there was this big giant rainbow, right? That we could see right in front of our house. And I felt like the Holy spirit just spoke to my heart and he said, Ben, I care that that hurt you. I care about your kitten. I care that that was a sorrow to you and I'm here to comfort you. You know, God cares about the little things. God put a rainbow in the sky to comfort me about my kitten. Now, I know that wasn't the only reason. Obviously, there are other reasons why that rainbow was there. But that's what I received from the Lord. And, and that brought comfort to me. But you know what the Holy Spirit didn't do? He didn't say, oh, you know what? That's just silly. You need to stop being so superficial and just get over it. You know, be, how, where's your faith? Now, there is a time to be exhorted in faith. There is a time when you need to get out of your house and you need to get out of the covers and you need to open the blinds and and draw a line and say, okay, I'm not going to sorrow like those who have no hope. The Bible says not to do that, but God is not ignorant of your soul and he wants to comfort you in your affliction. And it's not faith to just ignore it and to say, oh, I don't need anything. I'm good. We have the victory. Praise God. You know, yes, you have the victory, but it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And just like God wants you to be comforted in your body from pain, He wants you to be comforted in your soul. 
in your heart. If you've had something that's happened, if you've if you've had somebody leave this earth or or if you've gone through a divorce or you've gone through a heartbreak, listen, God is the comforter. God is not beating you over the head if if you've done something wrong or something like that. He wants to comfort you. He wants to comfort you in all of your affliction. He is the comforter. We're not supposed to ignore the issue. We're supposed to let God comfort it. And you know, it's important to know this because, you know, if we don't let God in to comfort us, we won't know how to comfort other people. You know, I know of people who, who they're, you know, you may have heard of this too, but, but their little girl suddenly out of nowhere went home to be with the Lord at two years old, unexplainable. Well, listen, thank God they know that that little girl's in heaven and they're going to see her again. But listen, if you, if you have the audacity to act like there's not some of the worst emotional pain you've ever experienced in connection to that, you're just being fake. I'm sorry. That's just not true. I mean, if, if your little girl dies and goes to be with Jesus, but she's gone, she's, she's not with you anymore, you can't see her, you can't hold her, that's hard. Now, now, thank God that death has lost its sting, and we're not supposed to live in the fear of death, and we're not supposed to live with a fear of losing people. And, and we have to acknowledge that, yes, death happens. It happens in this world. And we're not supposed to be uh, handicapped by it. We're not supposed to be devastated to the point that, that we're sorrowing as those who have no hope. We want to kill ourselves. That's not right. God has something better for us than that. But there is a grieving process, and there is pain, and God walks through us in that thing. He doesn't expect us to just get over it. I'm going to be honest with you, and I don't mean to be critical of anybody, and that's not my intention. I'm going to say a couple things in this podcast that that I've heard some ministers say. I won't say who they are, because I, I want to show respect, and I'm not intentionally disagreeing with them to be combative or disrespectful, but, you know, we should never be afraid to question anything um, if we see something different in the Word. It doesn't matter who says it. But there is a respectful way to do it, and I don't ever want to be disrespectful or anything like that. But i just say a couple things I've heard. Um, one of the things I heard about a minister who, who said that his son died in a car accident. And he said that when he heard about his son dying in a car accident... He said, well, the Bible says that we're supposed to let not our heart be troubled, and and um, so I'm not going to be troubled about that. And so he said, I didn't grieve, I didn't cry, I just w- moved on, even though his son had just died in a car accident. Well, first of all, let me say this. It's not my place to judge him and tell him what he should or shouldn't do. Um, if he found comfort in that, great. If that's where he was at in his faith, okay, awesome. I'm not going to tell him you need to go cry uh, if that's if if he's already found comfort in that, um, and I'm not criticizing that and saying that was wrong. You got to hear from the Lord, and people are at different places in their relationship with God. But I will say this: um, I, I would not say that to other people. I would not tell another person if they if something like that happened. First of all, that is a tragedy to lose somebody in a car accident from this earth. Now we don't lose them because they go to heaven. But it is a tragedy. I mean, it, that's that's not fun. That is the thief. That is Satan's work. And, you know, the Bible does tell us to let not our heart be troubled. But, you know, in that same passage, the Bible says that Jesus said to the disciples, you have sorrow now, 
but you will see me again and you will rejoice and your joy no man takes away from you. Because Jesus was going away. He was about to leave. You know, Jesus didn't criticize them for having sorrow. He said, you have sorrow now. And in the book of John, I believe it's John 16, he said this. He said, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. I want to point that out to you. That's what Jesus said right in that passage where he said, let not your heart be troubled. And like I said, I'm not coming against anybody. I'm not trying to be combative, but I just want to point this out. If you've heard that kind of thing and you think, well, you know, is it wrong for me to grieve or is it wrong for me to have have that process? Listen, Jesus said, you have sorrow now because you're going to miss me, even though they knew that he was going to the Father. And he's like, I'm coming back. But he still didn't chastise them for their sorrow because it showed that they loved him. It showed that they cared for him. They were attached to him. And that was a good thing. But he said, you will have joy. In other words, you don't have joy right now. You know, there are some times when you don't have an overwhelming feeling of joy. Now, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh, Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Um, The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And there is a joy that that can spring through even feelings of grief. But it doesn't mean you have to pretend to have joy by faith necessarily, quote unquote. Joy is real, and it's a real fruit of the Spirit, and it can produce itself even while you're grieving. If you're allowing the Comforter to come in and comfort you, that joy is on the inside of you. You don't have to pretend to have joy. You need to let that fruit come out of you. And he said that you don't have joy in this moment, but you will have joy because I'll see you again. I want to encourage you, if there's somebody that that you've lost from this earth, if they've moved on, if they've moved to heaven, um, you know, you will see them again. If they're a believer, if they knew God, you will see them again. And there is comfort in that. But it doesn't mean that there's not a grieving process. Now, I'm not saying that you're supposed to yield to sorrow. I'm not saying you're supposed to yield to all this stuff and, and self-pity. No, I started by saying we don't do that. But it's not wrong to grieve. You can grieve in faith. You can cry in faith. Because you're not acting like you're never going to see them again. But God designed us with that. You know, God grieves. God, The Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that means there are times that God has grief. And you know, I'm going to go Charlie Brown on you and say that there is a good grief. And, and there is a certain kind of sorrow that is a good thing. One of the kinds of sorrow that's good is the kind that leads to repentance. You know, talking about being comforted... You know, one of the most uncomfortable places you can be, and this is a little bit different direction, but is in unrepented sin, is doing something wrong and not repenting. That's probably the most uncomfortable place a a Christian, a born-again child of God can be. And you know, repentance brings comfort. Repentance brings peace. Repentance, it's like the prodigal son coming home and coming back to his father's house, there's a relief and a comfort that comes with repentance. And Paul said, and, and I believe it's 1 Corinthians, that godly sorrow leads to repentance. I'm going to say something else here. And again, it's not to be combative or disrespectful or, or prideful or anything like that. But I, I see something in the word and I want to address it. I have heard it said before that Christians should not say I'm sorry um, because 
it's like saying, oh, I'm a sorry person or I'm a sorry excuse for a Christian or anything like that. Or it's like bringing down your own worth and, and that the Bible says to sorrow not as those who have no hope. And so we shouldn't say I'm sorry. Well, I'm not, I'm not hard emphatically disagreeing with the idea that's said there because we shouldn't speak down of ourselves. We shouldn't talk down of ourselves. We're not sorry people. We are victorious. We are child, children of God and, and we don't live a sorry life. And I agree with that, um, you know, uh, and, and it's true that we're not supposed to sorrow as those who have no hope, but I do want to point this out, that there is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Now, worldly sorrow leads to death or condemnation, but godly sorrow leads to repentance. So it is not entirely accurate to say that we should not have any sorrow because the Bible says that there is a godly sorrow. And there's a good grief. Now, it's not the kind of grief that causes you to draw the shades and and become a recluse. No, that's not it. That's worldly sorrow. That's worldly grief. And it leads to death. And there's no future in it. But that doesn't mean there's not a process of grief. That there's not a process of of sorrow and and coming to God and and being broken before him and and letting him heal you it didn't mean that god is the one that broke you but there's plenty in this world trying to break us without god doing it if god wanted to break you he'd have already done it but he is the one that puts us back together that mends us that heals us and it's okay to be broken before him it's okay to cry our eyes out before him it's okay to fall on your face and say lord i need you you know it's not wrong to say i need you god it's not wrong to acknowledge your need for him. In fact, I would say the latter, or I'm sorry, not the latter, but the contrary is true. Jesus said in Revelations, people who think that they're rich and say, I have need of nothing, they're the ones who are spiritually poor. And, and, and Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those are people who just know their need for God. And that's what, one of the reasons why Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God is because they don't think they need anything. But you know, just because you say, I need you, Lord, doesn't mean you're saying you don't have him. I mean, you don't want to be whiny. You don't want to be, you know, God, where are you? Why don't you care? Where are you? You never help me. I need you. Where are you? No, that's just no faith. That's just being annoying. Uh, no, that's not what I mean. No, but acknowledging your need for him, saying, God, I can't do anything without you. I acknowledge that I need you. I acknowledge that I can't heal myself. I acknowledge that I can't comfort myself. I need your comfort, Lord. And then acknowledging that he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Then acknowledging that he said, I am here with you. I'm your comforter and I'm here to comfort you. But, but it's, a, it's a daily thing. And we should acknowledge our need for him as often as we acknowledge that he is with us and that he is for us and that we have him. Because we don't ever want to get to a place where we think we have need of nothing. That's not true. Now, I know James talks about being perfect, entire, wanting nothing, but that really carries a different idea than what we're talking about. We're talking about knowing who your comforter is and always being in a position to receive from the comforter. I'm going to keep moving here, and uh, hopefully I'll get through everything that's on my heart before I'm done here. And I talked about, you know, getting out of the comfort zone and things like that. You know, um, it's not comfortable to be out of the will of God, and, and really... Your comfort zone should be wherever the comforter is. Uh, you see this with the Israelites in Egypt. They went wherever the pillar of fire went by night and the pillar of cloud went by day. And, and you know what that those pillars brought to them? Comfort. Think about it. 
The nights were dark and cold. What brings comfort on a dark and cold night? A fire. A warm fire that gives you light and gives you warmth. That's comfort. And that pillar of cloud by day, you know what it brought to the Israelites? Comfort. It brought them shade. It, it was cool and it led them. It was a comfort to them. Shade is comforting. Man, you ever gotten in your car on a 90 degree weather day and turned on the AC? What does it do? It's comforting, <laughs> right? Getting a nice cold glass of water when you've been out in, out in the sun, working, doing whatever you've been doing, playing football, playing sports. It's comfort. It's relief. It's satisfaction. And God is the God of all comfort. But wherever he goes is where our comfort is. He is the comforter. But so many of us get stuck in complacency and it's really not comfortable. It's just we're too afraid to step out. We're too afraid to follow the comforter to where he wants to lead us. We're too afraid to follow the comforter into healing. You know, so many people, you know, they, maybe they, they lost their spouse. Um, maybe, maybe they died and they say, I'll never get married again. I'll never, I never want to marry again after this. And, and they carry that grief. And then there comes a season maybe that God wants to bring somebody else into their life. And, and because there'll be a comfort to them. Because having a, another spouse, it can be a comfort to them, but they're still holding on to that heartbreak and that pain. And it's hard. And, and the memory of, of their spouse is still alive. And, and they don't want uh, to get out of their comfort zone, so to speak because they become comfortable or complacent with the heartbreak. But God says, I, I know this is, this is hard, but I want to lead you out into comfort. Now, I'm not, that's not a word to anybody, but that's just an example. You know, the Bible t- talks about in Genesis 24, how Isaac, his mother died, and then God brought Rebecca into his life. And it says that, that he loved her deeply and she was a special comfort to him. You know, God will comfort you through people. He'll comfort you through godly relationships. He'll comfort you through godly friendships. And, and he wants to bring those things into our lives. But so often people become complacent and don't want to let God bring that comfort into their lives. It's hard, it's hard for them. And uh, we'll get into that more in just a second. But comfort is relief and God wants to relieve you. I want to read this to you in John 14 verse 26. It says, but the comforter which is the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things, and he will bring things to your remembrance, whatever I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. The Amplified says the the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the counselor, the strengthener. You know, God is available to you for everything that you need. God, God is your comforter. God is your counselor. You know, God will counsel you. God will give you the counsel that you need when you need counsel. He, he will help put your heart at rest. You know, fear makes it impossible to rest. And, and, and you know, if you're afraid, if you're dreading things, you can't be comforted. You can't be resting while you're afraid. But see, God will put you at ease. He'll comfort your fears if you will let him, if you'll listen to his words. Isaiah 26 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. In other words, when you're listening to the comforter, you will be comforted. You won't be afraid if you're listening to the comforter. He's your advocate. He's your counselor. 
You know, Psalm 25, 14 says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And, and, you know, you look at that in the Hebrew, it actually says the couch of the Lord. In other words, you come in and sit on his couch and you counsel with him. God will give you counsel about any area of your life. I promise you, so many people are going to other people for counseling and that's fine. God can use that, but God will counsel you himself. He is your counselor, your comforter, your keeper. You know, for everything that is, is stealing comfort, God has a remedy. Fear steals your comfort, and God's remedy for fear is perfect love. 1 John 4.18 tells us that. Uh, God's remedy for anxiety, which steals your peace and comfort, his, his remedy is the peace of God, which passes all understanding. His remedy for physical pain is divine healing. Isaiah 53 tells us that. His remedy for financial pressure is provision. He, he, he fills our empty spaces. He fills the emptiness, the lack. It's a comfort. His comfort for depression is hope. Romans 15, 13 tells us that. His, his remedy for hunger is satisfaction. And listen, I'll even be bold enough to say this. His remedy for sexual temptation and pressure is he provides a covenant in which people can satisfy those desires in the right way at the right time. And, and, and even beyond that, uh, if you're not married or don't want to get married, the Bible says in Psalm 16 that my flesh shall rest in hope. God provides comfort for every affliction that we can think of. For a broken heart, he provides restoration of the soul. God said, I'm near to the brokenhearted. Jesus said, I'm anointed to heal the brokenhearted. He, he said, I, I'm anointed to, to give you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And he wants you to be comforted. He's anointed to comfort you. And you know, the peace of God shows up to let us know that everything will be all right. That blanket shows up to let you know that everything will be all right. And you know, really God, his love is like morphine. His love comforts us. It keeps us, it, it numbs the pain. It, 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 it soothes us. His love is like healing. It's soothing. It's like, it's like, it's better than any drug you could ever do. You know, I know of a, a pastor who's a pastor in Bethlehem who they've been attacked by many of the radical Islamists there. And he tells a story of one time that he was beaten by five or six Muslim men. And right in the middle of it, he said he felt the Holy Spirit come over him like a shroud and he could no longer feel their, their legs and their arms beating him. He was comforted in the midst of his affliction. Now that's an intense example. A lot of us have never even experienced that. But in any situation, if you will allow him to be, if you'll believe in him, he will be your comforter. He wants to comfort you. And you know, uh, he said in Isaiah, comfort ye my people. In Isaiah chapter 40, comfort, comfort ye my people. He wants his people to be comforted. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants your yoke to be easy and your burden to be light. I know I'm just kind of throwing some scriptures at you, but I'm running out of time, and I, I want to just encourage you with these words today. Psalms 131 says, But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. God wants to comfort you in the way that a parent comforts a child. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's a financial difficulty, if it's a fear of something, 
God doesn't isn't trying to just rebuke you for your fear. He wants to comfort it. Now, there were times that Jesus rebuked Peter and his disciples. And yeah, if God knows you know better and you're just being immature, he will get on your case. He's a, he's a strong parent. There are times to rebuke and he will do that. But he is the comforter. You know, even God's correction brings comfort. David said that in Psalm 23, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, a rod and a staff to a shepherd, those are objects of correction and guidance. And even God's correction brings us comfort because it's truth. It's reassuring of what's right and what's good, the right path. It brings comfort to us. The correction of the Lord, he says he corrects them, those who he loves. And it brings healing and it brings comfort if we will respond to it and yield to it. But, you know, not everybody submits to his correction and they miss out on the comfort because of that. You know, a good example of, of you know, grief and sorrow is Job. And, you know, Job, you know, he yielded to some wrong things. God corrected him at the end of that book. But I want to talk for just a minute about you know, his last few minutes of this podcast, how to comfort other people. And, and, and it's so important to know that if you don't receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit, you can't give it in the right way. You know, uh, Proverbs twenty five twenty says, when you sing a song of joy to someone suffering in the deepest grief and heartache, it can be compared to the disrobing in the middle of a blizzard or rubbing salt in a wound. Now, we compared God to that warm blanket that warms you up, that comforts you. But the Bible says that if you if you try to sing a song of joy to someone hurting, it can be like taking away that comfort. It can be taking away their coat in the middle of winter. That's the opposite of comfort. And listen, if you're quote-unquote talking in faith, but you're stealing somebody's comfort, you're not doing them any service. You're not helping them. No, God tells us to weep with those who weep. And, and you know, the best thing we can do to comfort other people is to empathize with them. And even if we haven't gone through what they've gone through, the Holy Spirit can still help you to empathize through them because that compassion is on the inside of you toward them. And compassion doesn't beat somebody over the head. It looks for an opportunity to comfort, to strengthen. And, that, and that's the second thing is we should encourage people. We should speak words of life and encouragement to people. We're not trying to, to, to say, oh, you need this song of joy. You need to just, just, just lift up your voice and rejoice. Well, there is a time to rejoice, but really that's something that we should have an individual choice to do. You shouldn't try to force somebody else to rejoice in the midst of their heartache. And, and, and the Bible says that can be like stealing their robe in the middle of winter. And that's not comforting. <laughs> it's not comforting for you to walk up to somebody and tell them, well, you know, if your loved one would have had more faith, they wouldn't have died. No, that's the opposite of comfort. That's just being cruel. That's a lack of mercy like we talked about in the beginning. That's not comforting and that's not God. The, the, the last thing I want to talk about is the best way to be a comfort to somebody is this. Just be there. This is what God does for us. He's just with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us, and He is with us in the midst of our trials. And His presence brings us comfort, just like that man who was getting beaten by the by the Muslims, and and the Holy Spirit comforted him right in the middle of that. God is with us. In Second Corinthians chapter seven verse four, it says, "Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort." I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. So he's comforted in the middle of it. And watch why he's comforted. He said, we had no rest. We were troubled on every side. We had conflicts outside. We had fears inside. So Paul dealt with fear. 
Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And it says, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you. And he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. You know, it comforts you when people weep with you. It comforts you when people are touched with what's hurting you, when people have compassion, when people show that they are moved by the thing that's moving you and hurting you, that they actually care, that they're not coming in there and saying, oh, you just need to get over that. That's what Job's friends did. They, they didn't help him at all. And there's a lot of people in the church that are like Job's friends, and they think it's faith, and it's not. But he said that, by the coming of Titus and by me knowing that you care, that you have a zeal for me, that you're mourning with me, that's what brought comfort to me. Now, we're not supposed to pet self-pity. That's not what we're supposed to do. But we can comfort people by being there and by, and by empathizing with them and letting them know that we care. Those are the two things that we can do is just be there and show that you care. Sometimes the only comfort people need is just you coming over and spending time with them just loving them, just being with them. And, and you know, uh, God will send people into your life to comfort you, and he will send you into other people's lives to be a comfort to them. And that is one of the greatest manifestations of the love of God and the compassion of God is to be a comforter. You know, the comforter is with us to fill the space that's left by any deficit, whether it's a loved one that's moved to heaven, whether it's you know, a heartbreak or, or somebody left, you lost something, whatever space has been left in your life, the comforter comes to fill that space and the comforter will fill you up. The Bible says he does not leave his people desolate and he doesn't want to leave you desolate. He wants to comfort you so you can comfort other people. I'm talking about the comforter today and I just want to encourage you, be comforted let the Holy Spirit wrap his big warm blanket around you today and let him let you know how much he loves you. And don't resist him. Don't feel like you've got to pretend with him. Don't put on a mask. No, just be real with him. Acknowledge what you're dealing with, but acknowledge that you know he loves you and let him come in and comfort you. And he's faithful. He gives grace to the humble. And I believe in faith. We're all about faith, but faith is, uh, is not pretending. Faith is opening the door to God and saying, God, I need you, so come on in. <laughs> he said, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him. Jesus wants to comfort you today. I hope you've enjoyed this today. This has been the No Content Podcast. Um, I hope this ministers to you. If, you. if you know of somebody that could use this, please feel free to share it with them. If you know somebody who's had a loved one leave this earth, if you had somebody that's going through a heartbreak, anything like that, that you know that they could just use some comfort. Hey, send this podcast their way. Not because I'm trying to get followers, but because I want the word to get out and I want people to be comforted. So anyway, this has been the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. Thanks for listening today. And uh, you know how we do. I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. I'm still here. I didn't leave yet. Um, I appreciate you listening to this podcast. I hope you got something out of it. I hope it ministered some comfort to you. Um, one of the reasons I, I did this podcast was not to take away 
from anything that the church has has received as far as revelation when it comes to um, you know, not sorrowing over people that have gone home to be with the Lord, not yielding to depression and things like that. Um, and there is a real comfort in knowing the reality of heaven and knowing the reality of those things. I guess, uh, you know, I just wanted to fill in some some spaces when it comes to the process of, of grieving and the process of um, allowing the Lord to minister that healing to you and, and allowing that joy to rise up in you, and it's not an overnight thing, um, especially if if people have relationships with people for years and things like that, or, or if it's a really intense heartbreak, or, or there's something that happens. Um, you know, it's not an overnight thing. Um, the comforting process doesn't happen in 24 hours, and that's okay. It's not supposed to. It doesn't have to. And so I guess that was the biggest thing I just wanted to emphasize in this podcast. But one of the things that came up in my heart that I wanted to add before I leave, uh, which is why I'm doing another segment really quickly, if you're still here um, and you've come this far, you may as well hang in there for just a minute, is just talking specifically to people who have had loved ones go home to be with the Lord. And I just wanted to read this in First Thessalonians 4, chapter 13. It says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. So he says that being ignorant about those who have died, who have fallen asleep, would cause us to sorrow like those who have no hope. In other words, if we're not aware of the fact, if we're not mindful of the fact that our loved ones that knew the Lord are with the Lord and that they're not only in our past, but they're in our future and we'll see them again. That would cause us to sorrow in the same way that people who have no hope and no future sorrow, which is yielding to depression, which is becoming handicapped, which is um, becoming addicted to things and just falling into grief and and losing all sense of joy and, and not having any excitement for life anymore, not having any fire in life and just losing all of that because somebody that they loved is no longer on the earth with them. And that's how people who have no hope act. And And he said that if we're not ignorant of of the truth about people who have fallen asleep, then we won't sorrow like those who have no hope. And so it says this in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we always be with the Lord. And then it says this, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So we're talking about the comforter. We're talking about how to minister comfort to other people and how to receive comfort. And it didn't feel quite right for me to leave this part out of doing a podcast about the comforter. It says, These words are how we comfort each other who have lost people, who have, uh, when I say lost, I don't mean lost forever, I mean from this earth, who people have gone home to be with the Lord, or whatever the case is. But this is a comfort. These words are comforting, and there is an anointing of comfort on these words. And so being mindful of the fact that anybody who has gone home to be with the Lord, um, they're in 
the future just as much as they were in the past. And we can find comfort in that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that death has lost its sting. Uh, it says, O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, grave, where is your victory? It's like that old Randy Travis song. O oh, death, where is your sting? Okay. Um, you know, but there is comfort in knowing that. And yes, there is a grieving process. Yes, it impacts the soul. It just does. But there is comfort in these words of, of uh, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. So anyway, I just wanted to minister that before I leave this podcast and before I leave you. And I hope this ministered to you. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, that's all. I'm done. I promise I'm leaving. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. If you want to, you can follow me on social media at No Content. Or if you don't want to, then you don't have to. So don't. Don't worry about it. But whatever you do, please remember these three things. Number one, God loves you. Number two, you are valuable. And number three, so is everyone else. And number four, please don't forget to feed the ducks.